podcast is brought to you by Feel Good Omega H+. The H is for you, the human, and the plus is to emphasize our goal of helping you achieve healthier and longer life. Feel Good Omega is our first product in the new human line. Why human line? Because dogs need healthy, happy, and mobile people to go out on adventures with. And if you don't have a dog in your life, you deserve to enjoy a healthy body and sharp mind too. I've been taking Omega-3s for many years now, but if you are currently not taking them, it may be worth knowing that they are essential and the body cannot make them. Because of the impact of civilization on our food, it would be hard to come across someone who does not need Omega-3s as a supplement. Omega-3s are essential to cell repair of the whole body and the organs, They support good memory, brain, and nerve function. They reduce inflammation throughout the body without side effects. Omega-3s help cell repair, skin healing, and prevent organ disease. They will also make your skin radiant, healthy, and hair shiny. Feel Good Omega is essential to maintain heart health, which is obviously very important. In addition, as every product in our lineup, we've meticulously searched for the best ingredients to ensure that the product is top quality, free of toxins and heavy metals, and is also gentle on the planet. Feel Good Omega H Plus is free of GMO, dimethyl sulfate, and we use no methyl alcohol in the extraction process. It is also packaged in glass, which is super important for you and also for the planet. Don't miss out on feeling good. Check out Feel Good Omega H Plus at feelgoodomega-h.com. Again, the website is feelgoodomega-h.com. Hello, my dog lovers and other folks. Uh, I'm Dr. Peter Tobias, and you're listening to Not Just About Dogs. Today, I'd like to share two pieces with you that I've written in the past few weeks with hope that they will reduce your worry and feel you more grounded and less worried about the state of the world. Enjoy. A story of a lost friend. A bitter lesson I hope will not be repeated. I wrote this story of a lost friend just a few days before Pax, my dog, went missing in the Swiss Alps. And in the original version I wrote, don't worry, Pax is fine, healthy, happy, and full of beans, having a great summer fishing and running in the mountains. After Pax was lost, I wondered if my writing this sentence somehow triggered the quantum universe resulting in Pax getting lost. Had I tempted a fate? Perhaps you also blame yourself for things you know aren't your fault, even though, to a degree, I believe that our thoughts create our reality. Who knows? In any case, the good news is that Pax is sleeping in a chair beside me right now, and he's happy and safe. But getting back to the story of a lost friend, I would like to go back to 1968. It was August 21st, 1968, and I awoke to the sound of rumbling tanks on our otherwise quiet street. As a four-year-old, I remember looking down the street from our balcony and watching the strange khaki-colored growling monsters crawling from the East German border towards Prague to alter the course of history. 
These Russian troops invaded my country following orders from Moscow to squash any attempts to build a more democratic society. Russia had latched onto my country like a leech on its victim, determined to suck it dry, destroying the lives of millions. Those who complied and didn't protest the occupation could go about their lives almost the same as before, and if someone became an informer for the occupants, they gained even more privileges, access to better jobs, money, and the freedom to travel. People who opposed those in power were demoted, faced persecution, and sometimes went to prison. News were censored and people who 20 years later became national heroes and leaders were labeled as criminals and enemies of the state. Their voices were silenced and many had escaped to what was then the free world. My father was an idealist and spoke up against the Russian occupation. When he was punished and demoted from his job, there was still a window of opportunity to leave the country before the Iron Curtain fell but my grandparents convinced my parents to stay, and it was a grave mistake which made my parents to live the rest of their life in regret, never reaching their full potential. My father could still work as a veterinarian, but was demoted to the most difficult farm work, while his friend, who collaborated with the Russians, benefited by getting my father's job as a head veterinarian of the region. My dad lost the job and a friend. Fast forward to July 2021, a different time and place. The pandemic has divided nations. Some people have followed and agreed to the most common narrative, while others have been questioning if the measures introduced are sensible, and then there are some who believe in conspiracies. In reality, no one really knows what is going on. Yet, not unlike when the Russians took over my old country, people have now been divided into two groups, those who question and those who comply. Those who are compliant have been promised they can live their lives with certain privileges of access and freedom to travel the same way as before the pandemic, despite the fact that they're not 100% protected and appear to be spreading the virus in some cases. It is hard to see the destruction of livelihood and widespread mental health crisis. Many scientists, doctors, and other reputable people have tried to speak up, but often have been shamed and censored under the umbrella of spreading misinformation. But how could we not question some of the measures being taken, such as quarantining the Australian Olympians for one month upon their return when their disease incubation period is no more than a week? How could we not question the fact that in some countries, governments are proposing a two-tiered society model where a part of the nation would not be able to fly, board a bus or train, go to a gym or a swimming pool without a vaccine passport? People are being ostracized, shamed and punished just because they decided not to participate in what is still classified as a trial of a vaccine that has not gone through proper safety evaluation that normally takes years. Are we now going to start dividing people into groups for those who smoke or those who drink alcohol because they choose to do so? What about people who eat unhealthy processed food or fish like tuna which is full of mercury? These health choices are respected as personal decisions because they fall under the umbrella of civil liberties and the same should apply to the vaccination decision. 
Sadly, similar to 1968, some people have decided to remain quiet about the government measures out of fear of being shamed, losing their jobs or their friends. After all, based on our evolutionary history, being shunned and marginalized is the hardest form of punishment for human. I'm prepared that some of you may object to this podcast, as it is not about dogs and health. Yet I feel obligated and compelled to warn you that losing basic civil liberties is a serious threat to democracy. I recognize this danger because I have been there before. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Even in my family, the opinions and decisions vary. But that is okay. There are still a lot of unknowns and because of this, no one should be forcing others to comply under the threat of losing their basic civil liberties or jobs. No one should be allowed to divide nations into two groups. History has shown us enough examples of how damaging this is. Debate has been always at the core of healthy democracy and an attempt to squash discussion is one of the methods of those who want to take advantage of the situation and gain more power. It may be a government or multinational corporation who is making billions, while our country is drawn in debt and are inundated in mental health crisis of unprecedented proportions. Similar to communism, many governments have now bypassed the constitution and ignored our right to freedom of choice. To be more accurate, people still have the freedom to choose, but they will be faced with the restrictions and effectively labeled as second-class citizens. This is done under the cover of protecting the people from danger. In 1968, the danger in occupied Czechoslovakia was imperialism. In 2021, it is the pandemic. Australians now need a permit to leave the country the same way we did in the Eastern Bloc. They have been locked up in their country for more than a year and ironically are now dealing with the greatest number of cases since the beginning of this all. In Canada, the government has been so concerned about the spread of the virus, they decided to call an election two years ahead of the schedule, despite the risk of increasing coronavirus spread. Am I missing something? It doesn't even matter how COVID-19 happened now because it is here. What matters is whether we let the government officials who were elected to serve and protect us take away basic civil liberties, threaten democracy, and create regulations that do not make sense. Scaring and dividing the nation is not the best strategy to end this crisis, and we need to speak up. Just to be clear, I don't expect that you all will agree with me. What I hope is that you question all that is going on in a constructive and healthy way and do not let history repeat itself and fall into what I know so well, a totalitarian regime. Part two, how to find your place of truth. Redefining wrong and right in search of safety and happiness. Whenever I talk about staying in the middle, I imagine a crystal ball with a ball in it. Swirling the ball in the ball makes it spin for a while but it will eventually wind up at the lowest point in the middle of the ball. No matter what we do, no matter what theory about the ball in the ball someone makes up, it will always end up at one place, the place of truth. Over the past several months, I've encountered many friends and acquaintances trying to convince me that the ball of truth is high up on one or the other side of the rim of the ball. 
This actually doesn't just happen when discussing the topic of the pandemic. It also happens when we talk about medicine in general. Some people are all conventional or all holistic, which ultimately results in lower quality healthcare because they both have their place and should be continuously paid attention by researchers and doctors. Unfortunately, unconventional treatments are often less lucrative. Hence, most research focuses mainly on new licensable substances, which can't be natural in order to be licensed. There's also commercial interest in driving focus towards expensive, licensable products and away from cheap ones. When it comes to doctors, taking a holistic approach to medicine is rather difficult because of how we are educated and also due to liability concerns. Generally, we have to be daring and brave not to use proven, but unapproved, non-conventional protocols, as this makes us extremely vulnerable to liability lawsuits. Also, irrational conclusions and theories on both sides are commonplace, especially now. My goal today is to bring some sort of sense to the madness so that we can all talk to each other without thinking that the other side is either insane or dangerous. To say this as a person who is able to reach a relatively large number of people, I feel obligated to share this information to help you stay healthy both physically and mentally and keep your dog healthy too. Here is how I understand the current situation in 11 simple points. We may never know how the virus got out. Lives have been lost and many people have been affected by the pandemic. Protecting people against COVID-19 and other viruses makes sense. Vaccines appear to reduce the number of COVID-19 cases, which in some cases can be fatal, mainly in compromised individuals. Let's call this option eight. Vaccine also can produce side effects that can be serious and in some cases fatal, often in young and healthy individuals. Let's call this option B. Vaccinated people can carry and spread the virus. Unvaccinated people can carry and spread the virus. Drug and vaccine companies are in the business of making money. They also have a history of lying to us many times over. They may have a sincere intention this time around, but similar to a friend who has lied before, exercising caution makes sense. Regulatory agencies and governments have always been involved with big pharma lobbyists who have a strong influence on regulatory measures. Number 10. Vaccines and testing have generated unprecedented income for some companies. It is a big business. And finally, number 11. Many of the precautions and rules contradict each other and make no logical sense, which naturally makes people question them. To add to all this, most politicians may strive to do the right thing for two reasons. To protect the public and for their own personal benefit of being re-elected. They're prone to do what will make them more popular or gain them more power. History repeats itself. Sadly, in many countries, politicians have made the decision to create a two-tiered society, the privileged ones who chose option eight and got vaccinated, and those who are often wrongly accused of being irresponsible for choosing option B and did not get vaccinated. Objectively stated, groups A and B just have a different but reasonable fear. One is dominated by the fear of a virus, the other by the fear of side effects. Suddenly our governments are deciding what kind of fear is okay and which one is not. They're both reasonable. 
It is as if someone said, those who are afraid of car accidents are okay and those who are afraid of guns are not, which to me makes zero sense. What is the only difference between those who chose to get vaccinated and those who didn't? They're afraid of different consequences, which made them choose different risks. One group chose to reduce the likelihood of COVID-19 and take their chances on possible vaccine side effects, which can sometimes be serious and fatal. The other group chose not to get vaccinated and take the risk of an infection, which can sometimes be serious and fatal. Throughout my life, I have heard politicians preaching respect and tolerance, yet suddenly many leaders have resorted to intimidation and shaming and bullying. All I can do is to shake my head and say, shame on those who do. The argument that one group is more or less responsible is flawed because no one can guarantee that serious problems or fatalities will not happen. This is a fact. I find it disturbing and heartbreaking to see how quickly many people switch from tolerance and respect to shaming, intimidation, and discrimination. History has shown that dividing people in groups and pitting them against each other is an effective way of creating dictatorships under the guise of protecting the nation. I know this from my time spent living behind the Iron Curtain, where the totalitarian government was telling us they were protecting us from capitalism. One should not be surprised that such propaganda, censorship, and one-sided reporting is fertile ground for some other extreme conspiracy theories, which lead to even more divisions and distress. As soon as people learn that information from reputable experts and doctors is being taken down and censored, they will ask one question. Has there been any point in history where censorship was done for greater good? The answer is no. There is another serious problem. Research on repurposing possibly effective drugs such as ivermectin or fluvoxamine or any other generic drug for COVID-19 doesn't seem to get the same funding support from our governments as vaccine research does. I'm not necessarily saying that two drugs that I mentioned are the right selection or choice for everyone, but what if there is an inexpensive solution to the problem anywhere else? For example, stats show that homeless people are not as prone to get sick from COVID-19. Would this not deserve more attention? I have often felt very frustrated with the state of medical research and believe it should mainly be done by independent government bodies in order for it to be objective and fair. I'm convinced that more natural substances and preventive methods would be found to be effective if this were so. I remember reading an article somewhere written by the daughter of a man who was in the business of developing and licensing proprietary drugs. She touched on the topic of drug licensing and how drug companies alter the active compounds only slightly in order to be able to continue the license and prevent a substance from becoming cheap and generic. This is the saddest part of healthcare, and it is also showing that the purely free market model of medicine does not work. Now the question remains, what can you and I do? 
Over the course of the past 12 months, the USA had an election, Canada went through election as well, and many EU countries are heading to the polls this fall. From time to time, I listen to the debates and find that the debate on healthcare is stranger than any other topic. Politicians almost never focus on proactive and preventive medicine. Instead, they talk about how much money they will or will not provide for healthcare. Do you know why? My guess is because most of them have zero or very little medical background and a very poor understanding that the best way to address health is to focus on prevention. I wonder why their medical advisors do not seem to convince them otherwise. Could that be that some of them have links to the big pharma? I personally know of one veterinarian who has been working as an inspector at the veterinary college, a consultant at Agriculture Canada, and as a private consultant for Big Parma. If this is not complete conflict of interest, what is? I am sure that he is not the only one. The current model of medicine could be also explained by using the following example. If we want to prevent people from drowning, the most logical way to do so is to teach them how to swim, where and when not to go in the water, and how to get out of the ocean's rip currents. In politics and government, we seem to skip all preventive measures and instead call for hiring more lifeguards to rescue those who are drowning and how much money we are going to spend for these lifeguards. Throwing more money at treating disease without teaching people how to prevent it is exactly the same thing. We must be able to treat disease, but more importantly, we need to teach people how to prevent it. This should be our priority. But back to making choices around COVID-19, I refuse to accept that our society is divided into two groups of citizens, those who are responsible and those who are irresponsible. We are only different in what risks we feel more comfortable with because these risks are real. I find it very disturbing to see that people are being shamed, ostracized and their rights and freedoms denied. I lived under totalitarian regime for 27 years and feel compelled to warn those of you who have not had the same experience about this dangerous and slippery slope. I hope that we all can manage to respect the choices others make and not fall for the politics of division. I also hope that you will be unafraid to speak your truth. Everyone deserves to live in a world where freedom of choice, empathy and tolerance prevails. Thank you.